Baptist 21 is a pastor-led voice for Southern Baptists in the 21st century. The B21 podcast will discuss current issues in the SBC with Southern Baptist church leaders. To check out more resources, visit us at baptist21.com. Welcome to the Baptist 21 podcast, where we have conversations about what it means to be Baptist in the 21st century. Uh, and this week on the podcast, we're going to have another uh, session from the recent Pillar Network uh, intensive on uh, raising up leaders. And in particular, this week, the episode is going to focus in on preparing to send church planners. Uh, we, as again, as Baptists, are committed to the autonomy of the local church, committed to the primacy of the church and the mission of God. And so want to talk about the role of the church in preparing and sending church planners uh, this panel will feature guys who have done church planning. It'll feature Dwayne Milioni, who is one of the ones who helped start the Pillar Network. He himself would be planning this year the 20th church out of his church, Josh Redberg, who's also planted uh, two and a third church plan coming up. Matt Rogers, uh, who also serves as a missiology professor at Southeastern, but also has, has done a number of church plants coming out of his church, Christ Fellowship there in Greenville, uh, South Carolina, and then, and then myself as well, who, who did a lot of, of training of church planners to be sent out of Imago Day. Uh, so in this panel, we're going to explore some of the key components for equipping brothers post-seminary and helping them to learn the nuts and bolts of church planting. Uh, if you you've, Obviously, if you want to be involved in church planting uh, yourself or figure out some good churches to, to support uh, and just learn more about church planting, this is a great, uh, just a lot of good content coming from these guys. And so I hope it'll be of benefit to you and your church. Uh, we are still making plans, just as an announcement outside of the intro, we are still trying to make plans for our event uh, in Anaheim at this year's SBC. We will have an event and just trying to work through the details of that. A lot of moving logistical pieces uh, in California is quite costly, and so just trying to think through how to put on the best event we can. We hope to have uh, more information and really just even sign-ups for what that event's going to look like uh, by middle of next week. So just be checking our social media account, checking our website. And even next week on the podcast, we'll make some more announcements about it. We do appreciate you listening to the Baptist Swing One podcast. All right, we're gonna we're gonna uh, have a panel on this topic again. You can text me uh, if you have questions, particularly about uh, preparing to send guys. We have a new panelist. Um, on the, it hasn't been on any of the panels so far. Matt Rogers. Matt serves as the lead pastor of Christ Fellowship in Greenville. You've been there how long? Uh, we started the church 14 years ago now. So 14 yeah, whole time. How many churches have y'all sent out? We've got five uh, in the general Greenville area that have been homegrown, sent once, and yeah. 16 units internationally or in North America preparing to plant. Yeah. And Matt also works uh, for Pillar as well. He does a lot of resourcing work. In fact, um, we, do we have most of the document you put together? In the second? Yeah. You've got a little bit of a document that Nate made me we cut gonna, most we of We were going to give a out. document away that he had done, and it was like 43 pages. And I said, hey, could you at least drop this to 25 pages? I mean, And now so, it's like 12. So yeah, you've yeah. got a new book. Hey, you can follow the direction. That's great. Um, well, feel free to text questions, but I just want to get started briefly uh, with kind of each of you guys, uh, just a, a kind of a broad topic. When did you guys start your internship and when did you first plant in the life of your church and how did those two things intersect, if, if at all? Okay. We first planted in 2010. That was with one of our staff pastors. Um, we went from a staff of two to a staff of one. Um, then we planted a second time in 2006, 
2017. And that was with uh, just, he was not really part of a resident, but he'd been part of our church six or seven years, finished seminary. And then we brought on the last two and a half, three years, two men as church planting residents. One Ian is planting this fall. Um, and then one of them's going overseas to help plant, uh, help a church in Montenegro plant their first church. So we started the residency sort of after we'd planted a couple churches and uh, maybe a little backwards. Dwayne, you've been at Open Door 23, 4, 23. So how quickly was the, you may have mentioned this already, but how quickly was the internship and then how quickly did y'all plant? And the first, did they actually go through shepherd's training before you planted them? I think we planted in 2005. That's not Open Door planted in 2005. Dwayne revitalized Open Door, uh, actually led them to elders and other things, but the first plant was 2005. Right, first plant in 2005. And I think the internship started at about the same time. I think so. Or, Or briefly after, but we formalized it. We were kind of doing it informal and then we formalized it. First church plant was local. The first church plant was, yeah, downtown Raleigh. We partnered with uh, Bethlehem, and then uh, then we planted in um, Del Rio, Texas. Yeah, so when we planted 07, we were a part of Pillar from the outset, so I'm not sure we could distinguish when, I mean, within the first year, we were giving resources and coming alongside a plant within within Pillar, so it was kind of baked into the casserole of our planting culture. The first, like, went through something that we did and developed was about the seven year mark when they were sent. We held them up before the church around the five year mark and then the transition happened around year seven. How many, like we use term residency or internship, how many different kinds of internships do you guys have at Christ Fellowship? Uh, Yeah, I mean, one with all kinds of tributaries on the river, you know, all kinds of different streams. And you you guys have, obviously, we have men's and uh, the women's internship. What about that? We just have church planning residencies. Just have church planning residencies. Awesome. All right, I want to start here. Matt, we'll start with you and kind of of just come across. Counsel for these brothers, maybe if they're in the room and they haven't planted, they want to move towards church planting. kind of why I asked the question a minute ago, what differs, if anything, from just kind of normal internship, normal discipleship training of leaders to maybe try to think through intentionally trying to raise up men to send them out to either plant or revitalize? What's some counsel you have for these guys as far as thinking through that? Well, I think one of the benefits we had in being a church plant that was trying to plant is you've got this culture of, you know, frat boys playing football out back and you're just drawing up plays in the dirt and running it and hoping it works. And there's a certain experimentation and creativity and, um, yeah, that creates a culture of development that I think is a bit different than taking a future church planter and giving them an existing structure, but saying, hey, help us create the structure, help us experiment with some of the challenges that comes with creating and failing at things, help me process with that. And so they were able to see me kind of draw up the play and run it and then fail and have to dial it back and do something Again, I think there's something to that creativity, entrepreneurship that we're looking for in a planter that maybe differentiates uh, from uh, kind of baseline pastoral ministry. I also think just like emotional competence. Again, I'm not trying to set this as opposed to general pastoral ministry, but uh, when you're developing something new, I mean, if you can't just like sit across from another adult, look them in the eyes, have meaningful conversation, 
I think this is why fundraising is such a valuable asset. If you can't cast compelling vision and get people to give resources to the work you're doing, you're going to be a terrible church planter. So, you know, thinking through, like, can I give them a project to start? Like, there's an adjacent apartment complex. Go figure out how to do a secret Bible study in there and start something and uh, see if they can rally resources behind it. That, that kind of creativity, tenacity, I think, is, uh, is a differentiated skill. Yeah, similar. When we are identifying a church planter, then we, we do things like we say, okay, take one other couple from my church, start a small group from scratch, lead the group, develop a leader to replace you, and multiply the group. And, and we, create a, we create a laboratory. And I say, if you can't do this, you're, you're no, there's no way you can plant a church because you, you have all the resources of my church available to you. But you have to start this new work, just you, your wife, another couple, and get it done. And so it's good to watch that because, you know, you can coach and see. And, and fortunately, most of the guys I sent could do it. And it was a shepherding opportunity for them. They're discipling, you know. So I said we sort of got into it backwards. We, we're not cl- real close to the seminary. We're almost an hour away. And so it wasn't like we were having just seminary guys show up. Um, we decided we were going to get very involved in planting. So we were able to plant a couple times. And then as we got involved in Pillar, we started supporting other church plants. And so we approached the church planting residencies by praying that God would bring men to us that we could send in our next plants. And so, like, we've been very fortunate. I mean, I, I spoke for Dwayne one time, and Ian came up to me afterwards. He's like, we're moving to Fuquay Varina. Can I come to your church? Yes, you can. And here was our, our one of our church planning residents. So for us, it started with a commitment to, like, we're going to plant. We're going to figure out how to be involved in planting. We're going to do this. So God, we're not sure how you'd bring someone who will be another planter, but if you do, we'll invest in them. Start back with you. Talk just briefly, practically about uh, your intern. We've been hearing different kinds of internships. What does your internship look like? How long? What kind of formal, informal, all that kind of stuff? It's more informal than it is formal. Um, Our goal, we say two years roughly. A lot of it depends upon when they're ready to go. So Ian was just over two years, maybe two years and three or four months. Jesse was closer to three years, but he's going overseas. Um, We really want just to involve them and their family heavily in the life of the church. And then part of that is they attend the leadership pieces. They attend elders meetings. We try to go to things together. We, we just try to submerge them in the culture of a church that we hope is very healthy um, and then engage them on a very relational level. Ian was in seminary. Jesse was doing seminary work. So we didn't assign a lot of, a lot of reading and things like that where we could because a lot of the seminaries allow this. Like, hey, he can get credits if I give him some books to read and then we go out to lunch. And so, like, we did those things, but it, ours has very currently been very informal. Our next one, which we have someone coming in June, we're trying to add a few more structured elements, and we'll probably do that each time. Yeah, I think um, the formal stuff is in your booklet in terms of what we ask, read, and what they're writing, memorizing. Probably formally two years, but informally five years, I would say. Most of the guys that we send end up on staff at some, in some capacity, and it's five, it, the, five to eight years at 
open door before their sons. So it does, it seems like it is stretched out fairly long. So there's that, the formal training, but then the informal relational stuff where we're serving together. Yeah, I have a really bad habit of building something and then blowing it apart just to try to put it back together again. It's just something that I'm just wired up as a tinker. So I feel like our thing's always a work in progress, trying to make it better. I really need to kind of hold my feet to this is our process. So we, we've just kind of iterated off of things that have worked or things that haven't worked. I would say a lot of the things that have been discussed in the seminar would be common to us. My own experience was basically a decade of movement between declining traditionalism and then church as show, just with unhealthy ecclesiology, no sense of meaningful membership, or until I came to Southeastern Seminary, joined a healthy church and kind of not crockpot environment learning. So I, we try to slow down and we tend to get the 24 year old and I'm just not planning most 24, sorry if you're 24, but I'm just not planning most 24 year olds. So we just say, join the church. We're not giving you any title, hang out with us, go share the gospel with me. Let me listen to you share the gospel. Let me see what you can do. And then maybe a step to more formal. We're going to do a couple of years of formal training and then some type of acknowledgement before the church. This is somebody to watch. Somebody to keep your eyes on. We're thinking about planting in this place. Um, you know, yeah. it's interesting that we just all naturally, you know, fall into, I think, the longer on ramp or takeoff. And when um, when they did that study, A two nine study, ten years after the birth of A two nine, it was interesting that there was this initial, when A29 started, there was this initial explosion of very effective church planters. I mean, just, they took off. They went from zero to a thousand churches almost overnight. And those churches were planting churches, but then, then they hit this pinnacle and they started to decline. It's not that they weren't introducing more churches, but they weren't multiplying. And they did this study and they realized that when A29 began, there was this, this huge pond of guys who, have ex, who had experience as associate pastors and staff pastors, and church playing just wasn't a thing, and they didn't know what to do. And when they realized, oh, I can plant a church, it just... And then they, they replaced those guys that were typically in their 30s with the guys who were in their 20s or early 20s, and they were just floundering. And they were being non-effective, and they realized that these guys need that five to ten year incubation post-seminary just to get beyond. Look, just get beyond being twenty-four. I and I, I do think that's a value for pillar. You know, speak of. I mean, Dwayne may have the, uh, somebody hanging out at open door for a decade. Our experience hasn't typically been that. But one of the things we're starting to experiment with is. I can fling somebody to another church within Pillar. Mm -hmm. They're moving and they can maybe take a step up the leadership pipeline mm -hmm. at that congregation. And then, you know, a guy like Will Cole that's in Pittsburgh now, well, he's he's been a member of four or five of our churches mm -hmm. in Pillar over the course of the, that now got him to, mm -hmm. to that point. So I don't think I have to feel the sole responsibility to go zero to mm -hmm. interstate with somebody. I can entrusted relationships. Generation Link was already mentioned, even if it's just for a summer to say, who do I know that if I sent them with this guy, maybe he's earlier in the planting process and this would expose them to some work that my church can't prepare them for right now, but this would be a great opportunity for them to grow. Yeah. So Ian was at Open Door for a couple of years before he came to us. And so he comes 
really well prepared. And so like we were the last part of it, even though it was a couple of years, our next church planning resident is coming from Minnesota where he's an assistant pastor at a pillar church that we planted along with before. I think there's those opportunities there. I would encourage you guys, if you're thinking of something, I mean, Capitol Hill and is it University Baptist Church? Maybe say, hey, we got one of these guys who's coming out of your residency, who's interested in planning that you would recommend, and we'll bring them for two and a half, three years to plant him. Um, I, th- I think there's, you know, that could be a great resource uh, to sort of take the next step. Mm-hmm. Pastor Dwayne, in our internship, we do two, two years, so four semesters, basically, what is a pastor, what is the church, kind of um, that, that kind of thing, ordinances of the church and so forth. But we also, so they meet all together with a teaching time, more formal teaching time, and then they meet one-on-two, one-on-one with different pastors and leaders in the church. You mentioned that in in your talk. Talk about what you do in that time and kind of what you're even looking for. Yeah, so, you know, if we've got a dozen interns, then I'm going to get around six or so mentors, other elders and key staff people like Nate. And then we all got a couple of guys. And then, you know, we're meeting more informally. So for me, you know, it's like, come over to the house we have dinner um and i always say come with three questions and it, and i want them to be good questions about life about parenting about ministry and if they don't come with good questions then i feel like you're wasting my time because i want them to 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 do the initial work to to figure out what you know what do i need to know and if they're not asking good questions they're not ready to be pastors yet you know so we deal with their questions. Sometimes we'll have a topic. And then that accountability works well. You know, we're to tell me what sin struggle. It's just basic mentoring, discipleship stuff. Um, uh, we, when, sometimes we meet, it's wives included, right? So now we're going to do couples, marriage, coaching, counseling, and things like It's really informal. Do you have a buzzer for their questions? <laughs> that was like, I have kind of I a... I can just picture you in the I, den waiting. <sighs> I, I have a terrible question in the go in the, home in the formal time back in the day when I went through the internship yes. in the formal time he would say now's not the time for you to talk <laughs> so that that has happened. that was the that, that was has, the buzzer, that was the buzzer. <laughs> um, we a good question here I think all three of you guys one of the things is really tough when you are starting to get excited about church planting particularly as the elders are getting excited or even just the guys who are mentoring, it's hard to sometimes filter that down into excitement for the whole church. So how do you guys go about trying to cast vision and get, get the whole church engaged in getting to know this team, maybe even considering being on the team? How, what are you doing as far as maybe the gatherings on Sunday, as far as special meetings and all that kind of stuff to get the church excited about, know these folks so they can have, obviously pray for them, maybe consider going and obviously financially helping them? So we have a built-in mechanism in our services called Members Moments, where every Sunday there's a member who's usually interviewed or um, shares something about a way they're engaging in ministry. So we'll, we will heavily feature our church planning residents in those, giving updates. Um, so that's one piece. We also bring in our guest speakers are all pillar pastors. And so um, it helps that we're in North Carolina. So the Sunday before and after Unite every, every year are pillar pastors. And so we, you know, we try to feature that. So it's, it's just such a part of what we do that it, it becomes, you know, it becomes more natural. I think what I would encourage you to do is pray that 
somebody that's it's somebody that you love and don't want to lose decides to go with a church plant because when I got a call this week from one of our elders who started the church with me who decided to go and help Pioneer Church for a year and he I got the call I've been dreading for most of the year which was we're not coming back we're staying I told him it was not the Lord's will we'll see if he listens <laughs> Will Pioneer accept him if he's been disciplined out? Um, <laughs> but they're leaving. They've been reading for 13 years. He served as an elder for, like, this is his third term. Like, that's really painful. But if they'll go, I mean, why wouldn't anyone else go? So I think you have to sort of pray that somebody who you don't want to go, like, goes, makes that hard decision. And the more that happens, the more just anyone goes like, well, why wouldn't I go? Yeah, very, very, very similar. I mean, I appreciate what Bobby was saying about those that Capitol Hill sends, leaders, pastors. Um, most of the guys I've sent have been leaders, pastors, elders, you know, that type. Um, I was talking with, with Josh earlier. When, when we finally decide on sending someone, I say to them, Anybody in my church that wants to go with you is fair game except for my wife. It's the only one you can't ask to go. And um, yeah, they've stolen worship leaders, elders, key staff people. They, they have robbed me of, of the best of, of my people. And, and I have to celebrate that. If I'm not celebrating that, if the church isn't seeing that, then you know it, it could be, I think, less effective for the whole church to be involved. But when, when a key leader says, I'm going, and I want you to come with me, you know, it's, it, it's, not, it's easier said than done, but you do want to try to celebrate it. Yeah, I mean, similar things. Every Sunday, we pray for a church plant by name, put them on the screen. You know, it's a part of what we do. Monthly family meetings that we come together, and every time that's a, there's a church planting aspect. We try to, we inherited this terrible Baptist church building. I mean, 1947, horribly constructed. So it's not a beautiful place, but everywhere you look, there's something celebrating or highlighted. There are maps everywhere and pins being pulled. And so just to show up at our property, you're like, you, you wouldn't, it would be hard for you to miss that mission sending is a part uh, of who we are. And then I just try to, kind of think, you know, the fireman presenting in front of a five-year-old, like, this is who we are. This is why we're wearing this. We're not going to kill you. We're trying to help you. Just try to hold up church planters and missionaries before our people, because I don't, I don't think a lot of them know what they are, what they do, that they could be one as well. So we just try to put these people up and celebrate and talk about them a ton. Anytime I can illustrate a point in a sermon by talking about something a church planter's doing, uh, try to do that. Yeah, we, we used to t t talk a lot about trying to drip parts of the church planning, you know, all the work that we're doing into the sermon application of it fit clearly. And so you're not just talking about it in the mission spotlight, but you're also talking about it in, in that. Another thing I would say when it comes to preaching, mistakes we made early on. So this is when I was at Imago Day and we were planting churches. Um, we would wait to let the planter preach the final Sunday as like the send off Sunday. Mm. And the problem with that was... Nobody had heard him, and we had those limited preaching opportunities, some things we implemented earlier in some of the earlier panels. And so nobody had heard them preach and never thought, like, oh, I could go center his preaching for, you know, the next two to three years. And so if you start to identify those guys, let them have opportunities to teach earlier in the process so that people could say, I, I could go sit underneath that, that kind of preaching. And I think it's not just opportunities, but, like, consistent reps. 
right? If you just preached on Youth Pastor Sunday, kind of your candy stick sermon that you've had six months to prep for um, versus I've got to prepare to teach adults that are twice my age. We were talking about this at our table, just like to teach other people who are twice your age and have read through the scriptures and are mature and thoughtful and to prepare something quality and do that week in and week out, that's a hard deal. So Sunday school or some environment like that where they can get multiple reps in a row. So my parents are members at Redeemer and um, I think Ian had been there six or seven months and he preached for the first time and Ian's a gifted preacher and my mom never likes it if someone preaches other than me. Um, and she comes up to me afterwards and she's like, she's like, even when, even when Jason, comes oh, especially when it's okay. my brother. Um, but she, she comes up after Ian and she says to me, like, he's pretty good. I, I could listen to him more. Then I was like, whoa, <laughs> but I think one of the benefits is people heard him early and I don't know how many times Ian ended up preaching three or four over the course of a couple of years. So it, it does help. Um, people go like, well, yeah, I could. That just that'd be like what we do here. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts, guys? Uh, there are opportunities for you to get seminary credit for your interns if they want to finish a, a seminary degree. Uh, as time goes on, um, seminaries are dispersing their education and the responsibilities of training out from a residential to a more online or hybrid uh, format. So, you know, if you, if you want a guy, if a guy wants to get his training formally, he can stay at your church. He doesn't have to travel. He doesn't have to come to a seminary. Um, I would also say, along with that, that uh, every one of you should decide now what your terminal degree will be, and you should have a professional degree. Um, a D-men, a PhD, D-men or PhD in missions, talk to this guy right here, D-men through pillar, PhD in preaching, talk to me, uh, PhD in pastoral theology, talk to Phil, so pillar's got you covered. If you need, you know, some sort of terminal degree, but but I think there's opportunities for you to, to do it informally, of course, but even formally in your church. Just two quick things. One is if you're establishing residency, just know what your end goal is. For us, it's church planting. Everything for us is about a church planter, which is different than, you know, one of your Capitol Hills. It's more guys. It's like this intense ecclesiology. So just know what it is, and that helps you work towards it. And the second thing is don't wait until you're ready to plant. Um, we adopt a church plant every year that, unless we're planting that year. And we really adopt them. So that church planter comes and speaks. We give money. We try to take a, a missions team there. We pray for them. We give updates about them. Um, we do everything we can to sort of, like, we try to adopt that church. And then even the next year, you know, if they need more help, we keep praying for them. But the more this becomes a case and it becomes a real people that they've seen, they've heard about, the more prepares your people to plant. I think the <clears throat> church planting conversation is far too often dominated by large churches with big personalities. The way we combat that is rooms like this, where we have small to medium-sized churches with normal personalities. And uh, the way you leverage that, you can't plant consistently. You gotta have buddies, you gotta have friends and relationships. And so I would just say cozy up to those relationships, leverage those. I see my role as kind of playing point guard on relationships and resources. So when you're in rooms like this, think about how can I advocate for a future church planter? How can I advocate, position them 
who do I hear talking about something that our church might not be good at, but their church could really help my guy develop those skills, foster those relationships, make text messages, connections, emails, be scrappy on behalf of future church planners and use Biller to do that. That's good. We're going to talk some about that in tomorrow morning sessions. Hey, Zach, come on up. Thank these guys for being on the panel. Thank you for listening to the Baptist 21 podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at our website, baptist21.com. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. It would really help us out. If you ever have thoughts or ideas for future interviews, please reach out to us at our email, babbis21 at gmail.com. Again, thanks for listening to the podcast.